Welcome to the Flex by Fenwick podcast. Flex by Fenwick is a service offering of the Fenwick Law Firm that matches high-quality lawyers with successful technology and life sciences companies in need of temporary in-house legal support. Flex was recently recognized by Chambers as one of the world's best alternative legal service providers, and our Flex lawyers are a big part of that achievement. We are proud of the lawyers we work with, and this podcast is intended to get to know some of our Flex lawyers better, learning about their careers, their expertise, and their experiences with Flex. Our featured flex attorney for this podcast is RJ Paul. As we record this, RJ is on a full-time flex engagement with a well-known global tech company as Product Council. Thanks for speaking with us on the Flex podcast, RJ. Absolutely, Linda. Thank you so much for having me. Before we explore your legal career, can you tell us a bit about what led you to a career in the law? Definitely. It comes from my childhood. I grew up playing music and some of my really good friends when actually we were in high school, I got signed to a major record label. Funny enough, I was not only interested in the music, but interested in kind of the business behind it. So they sent a number of contracts my way. And I'm, you know, this 17-year-old reading through these massive legal agreements that I'd like to pretend I knew what they meant. But as I went through them, I got really interested in helping creative types pursue their passions. You know, there's definitely a business side to a lot of that. And taking that off their plate was something that I thought would be very interesting. You know, that kind of lit a fire when it comes to law school as far as what I could do to help creatives. However, I ended up going to law school in the Bay Area. And when you start talking intellectual property, you know, copyrights and trademarks and those things, when you're in the Bay Area, it's all tech. And so even though I kind of started with this focus on music and entertainment, it very quickly shifted to technology just with the location I found myself. In. That's great. And I think it's impressive that as a 17-year-old reading 50-page legal documents made you want to become a lawyer instead of the opposite. So that alone is impressive. Yeah, it's sick, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so great. Your switch in interest function of being in the Bay Area and focusing around IP related to tech as opposed to entertainment. And so before we talk more about what your current role is as product counsel, what led you to Flex in the first place? So I was in a product and privacy counsel role before. And with the advent of COVID, this last year has been anything but normal for a number of people. And so during my tenure at my last company, there was unfortunately some restructuring due to COVID like there were in many industries and found myself on the other side of some downsizing. It was just kind of great timing because at that time, I had also got in touch with Flex and there were these opportunities available for product counseling or combined privacy and product counseling roles. And there just happened to be a few and one in particular, which is the engagement I'm in now that really just fit my interests and what I was good at and what I was doing before. It was almost a lateral move into this new position. So it was just great timing. Can you give us a word or two about some of those roles you had that gave you some expertise in privacy before you came to us at Flex? Sure. After law school, I graduated in 2012. So I, of course, was blessed with a fantastic economic situation <laughs> to try and find a job in the legal field. And so like many of my colleagues that graduate around that time, we did you know, the contract work, the doc review before landing some sort of 
first full-time legal gig. And for a number of us, that wasn't even a lawyer position. And that's the position I actually found myself in. I joined a privacy consultancy and spent about five years there consulting on GDPR, Privacy Shield, Safe Harbor before that, and really diving into the nitty gritty of global privacy compliance. It was a great experience. You were able to experience many different industries and how those different industries tackle different data protection requirements and see the similarities and the differences to really get an, a holistic view on what a privacy program can look like. After five years of consulting, a buddy of mine from law school actually reached out and said, we need some help with CCPA. And I thought it would be a great opportunity to kind of pivot from helping others with their privacy program to start build my own privacy program. So I spent about a year at that job where I served as product and privacy counsel. And that is where I was at before coming over to Flex. And so there was a history of privacy analysis and as well cutting my teeth on the product side of things before getting into the Flex program. Great. Interesting path to us. And now diving a bit into your role as product counsel through Flex. I think most people who listen to this podcast are familiar with what is meant by product counsel, but regardless, let's be lawyers and define some terms. And if we think about product in the digital world as capabilities or functions a company provides to its customers and a product can be software and data, or it can be a combination of software and hardware and services that's required to deliver the product experience to the customer. And a product could be a repeatable service, a SaaS, like software as a service, for example, like a Salesforce or DocuSign, or it could be a platform like a Amazon or an Airbnb. So if that's what we're talking about by product and what the tech company offers, what does product counsel do? And how does your privacy background fit into your role as product counsel? Well, that's a, that's a very meaty question. And I think there's a lot to dive into there. But I think to start, as you are describing the different avenues or the different ways products can manifest themselves, that breadth directly translates into the product council role. Because you're dealing not only with, like you mentioned, physical products, whether that could be actually a phone or a laptop or, or some sort of tablet, but also for those companies that you mentioned that might be software as a service or might be you know, strictly internet-based, products also take on a very, very intangible trait to them. And so with the current position that I'm in, it's more on that intangible side. If you imagine, let's take a software as a service or like a media company that you subscribe to, for example, there are already things in place, right? There are already programs in place, but there's a consistent drive to make those systems, those programs better. And so as product counsel, what you're primarily working with is product teams and engineering teams that are coming to you with ways to either make current processes better or to expand what current processes do, or because the business is growing, replicate that process in another area of the company. And so when it comes to responsibility, it's a lot, you know, there's, there's no easy way to say it because you're thinking about how this proposal that's being brought to you changes this particular product. What consequences does it have on this product? But then you're also looking at the other products that are operating next to this particular product. What does this change in this product due to these other product lines? Is that going to have an effect? Is that going to break something that those other products are relying on? Then you take a step further 
and you have to think, okay, now all of these products are working together. What does this change do for the business as a whole? Are there other areas that I'm not necessarily thinking about directly in relation to this product that could get impacted? And then finally, you know, you always want to have kind of that global view of what's also going on in the industry. What are you looking at right now? And how does that comport with what's going on industry-wide? I almost like to think of us as a mini sort of GC role in that it's a lot of issue spot. It's going back to law school, right? You're looking for those issues. And then even though you may not necessarily be the one to resolve those issues, you need to know who in your organization to go to, who's the expert, who will help you solve those issues. Can you give a specific anecdote or an example that kind of makes it understandable to a, a perhaps a layperson or somebody who might be thinking about what different software features do and how someone in a role like yours has to figure out the legal risks that are at play? Definitely. There are, whew, there's a lot going on right now. Kind of the topic of the moment for many tech companies is violating content and changing and hate speech and violence and incitement sort of stuff, you know, especially in the wake of some of the things that have happened uh, earlier this year, there is now a heightened concern about understanding what sorts of content is considered harmful or dangerous or might even cause real life harm. What constitutes violating content is an ever-changing landscape. What we do then is a bit of a cat and mouse game. And so what you can work on as product counsel in that specific realm is the expanding definitions. And so part of the issue can be new definitions of what is considered harmful or not allowed on someone's platform. How do those expanding definitions affect existing systems? As you're getting more information and more information is coming in, especially about these, especially about these pieces of content faster than has ever come in before. And so as you take that and analyze that, you then have to operationalize that. We've had to build on those processes to help make sure that the systems we're working on say stay safe for everybody. Well, and you tell me, but I assume that maybe in the past too, platforms would not necessarily want to do that, right? Whereas now the assessment of that and the impact and power of that is now shifted such that there is an obligation to do more than just watch it happen. Well, I think it's not just necessarily the obligation. I do honestly think that the people I've met in this engagement at other jobs, when your product team comes to you when your engineering team comes to you. These people are absolutely doing their best to make mm. the best products they can. They are bought in to the system. They want to do right. They're not right. necessarily looking at legal as a blocker, as so many times it can happen in product counseling roles, but they're excited. They want to move things forward. And it is infectious when you see a team that's excited to build something, you want to help them. It's not necessarily that kind of concept of don't say no to your product teams. You don't want to say no. You want to help them build that. But there's just some things you have to help guide them through. Really interesting. And I think it, description is one of the reasons that the product counsel role is of interest to a lot of attorneys. It allows you to really understand the business, see different facets of the business, and be able to use the law as guidance as companies are navigating new challenges in the tech space. What I would boil this down to is... Reading something in the news in the morning, in the afternoon, be ready to have some sort of legal guidance to product teams that are willing to take on this particular issue. So there's a lot of fast decision-making 
that needs to happen in a realm like that. And there also needs to be decision-making that you need to be comfortable doing with not 100% of the facts, right? Sometimes there are going to be gaps and you address those gaps as they come to light, but they may not be relevant right at this moment. You just have to move fast and be able to counsel product teams with the ability to let them know that as I get more information, I might be coming back to you to help bolster the product. Great. That's helpful and interesting. And who are the folks you're working with in this role as they come to you with ideas? How does that look from your point of view? It's a number of different stakeholders. You have everyone from other attorneys that are coming to you because you have this kind of general knowledge about what's going on to product and engineering folks. Your product team is probably the closest to you as product counsel because you know, it's funny to kind of see this, this bookend approach, right? When I started law school, my idea was to kind of help creatives make music or maybe go into the entertainment side of things. But with product counsel, it's almost the same mindset. These product teams come to you with these great ideas on how to build on these additions or these expansions or these change in process. And you're then tasked with helping them execute that vision. You want to encourage them because that's what innovation is all about, is making sure that those product teams continue to maybe push the boundary in ways that might make you as counsel feel a little uncomfortable. And that's the big question that you have to try and answer is product counsel. Yeah, really interesting. And I think it's one of the things that flex attorneys experience, having to assess and learn those differences in, in risk tolerances and in preferences and in speed. Sounds like you have a very interesting role. I think that's right. It is a fantastic role to have. It is super interesting. But again, you know, it, with any sort of interesting role, there's also the demand side of that, where putting in the time and effort to not only understand the law behind what you're counseling, but to understand the business implications and to just understand the business generally. What's your organization's goal? What are you trying to achieve? What is the organizational outlook towards product teams, towards engineering teams? Is it a, is it a build fast mentality or is it a kind of slower making sure I's are dotted and T's are crossed sort of mentality because what speed the organization approaches new products will help you dictate how you provide guidance. As a person with a creative background yourself, does that feel creative? Does it feel like a creative role as product counsel? It absolutely does. And it's funny because people don't always think about lawyering as being creative, but that's exactly what you have to do here. You're looking at what's being proposed. You're looking at exactly what is the letter of the law, what's company policy, and you're finding ways to navigate in there, making as many stakeholders happy as you can, but being mindful of your legal obligations, while also encouraging business development. It's an interesting balance that really does take some creativity. Yeah. And I think a lot of our lawyers are interested in getting into product roles and certainly having that privacy background has helped with your ability to acquire a, a product role. And as you mentioned, you did land a role at our privacy consultancy out of law school, and you also have a number of privacy certifications. And a question that we get at Flex from our clients and from Flex attorneys is how important are those certifications? I don't think certifications are a silver bullet by any means. I think certifications are a fantastic way to get yourself familiar with different areas of privacy law that are ever-changing, especially with now the EU and their GDPR. You've got Brazil and the LGPD, uh, California's CCPA, and now the CPRA that's going into effect in a couple years. There's, there's a lot that's changing. 
And I think if individuals are interested in getting into the privacy route, which can lead to a product council role, I would say that having a demonstrable interest in privacy is something that's incredibly important. Because Linda, like you said, a lot of people are interested in privacy and it's very easy to say, oh yeah, I'm interested in privacy without much to back it up. And actually when I was at that privacy consultancy, I sat on their hiring bench for a while. And when people came in with a certificate, like one of the CIPP uh, certificates, it was an opportunity for us to discuss something on even ground. That individual came into the interview I don't want to say a little further ahead of those that didn't, but it was something tangible that in the privacy industry we could hang on to. Like, okay, this is recognized. This is something that I've gone through, you've gone through as well. It almost elevates you to a peer level when you're interviewing versus someone who's just looking for that job. So I think it's it's twofold. It's one, it's absolutely that demonstrable interest. And two, it helps you get acquainted with the different privacy regimes. And so would I say it's the be all end all to getting a privacy job? Absolutely not. Is it helpful? Definitely. Yeah. It indicates your willingness to put some time and effort into that interest in privacy exactly. as well. So what do you think about your future career plan? Well, I'm very happy as product counsel. I think that that is a area I'd like to continue exploring. It is such a fun role. It touches on so many different parts of the organization that you find yourself in that you can't help but have a holistic view of the company. If I also find myself in privacy roles, I'm incredibly excited for that as well. That is an incredibly dynamic realm to be in. And so I think it's just it's just kind of fun. I like being along for the ride for the moment. Great. And any advice for other folks who might be entertaining a flex career that involves perhaps different clients in different roles? I think that the advice would be go for it. I mean, Flex has a great roster of clients. If you get placed in a Flex position, it's definitely going to be a good step for your career. What's great, there's that little bit of flexibility that allows you to kind of pursue some of those other interests that you may have outside of lawyers. It helps fit this kind of new idea of what work is and kind of these more flexible working arrangements, especially in kind of a post-COVID world, but you get to do it with some stellar organizations that are signed up with the Flex program. Thanks. So shifting gears a bit, you mentioned that you're a musician. So can you tell us a bit about how that fits into your life? Absolutely. Music is something I'm still very, very passionate about. I myself am a drummer, have been since I was 12. <laughs> and only recently, well, within the last five years, I'd call it, uh, really started to dig back in. I actually play with two bands right now. One I play for is called the Californicorns, who actually were just named uh, Best Band of San Francisco for 2020. And then, then I also play for a cabaret show, Cat Robe Show's Misfit Cabaret, also based here out of San Francisco. We've been dark for about a year because of world situations, but everybody's really looking forward to getting back out there and performing again. Absolutely. And let's hope it's sooner rather than later. Definitely. Well, congrats on your band's award for 2020. No small feat. Well, thank you. And so let's explore your other musical tastes. Any bands that are particular favorites of yours or any live shows that you'd be particularly interested in going to? I mean, other than a show where I'm playing at, I think <laughs> as far as bands go, my mother was the one who imparted her musical taste to me. I was definitely raised on the Beatles, the Beach Boys, the Who, but I always gravitated towards Led Zeppelin. None other for their 
their drummer, John Henry Bonham. So uh, I take a lot of inspiration from him. The Zeppelin's probably my favorite band of all time. I know they're not necessarily touring anymore, but just excited to really get back out. I'm based in Oakland in the San Francisco Bay Area and just really excited to go back to maybe some of the smaller venues and see some of the local acts. You know, everybody that's getting back out and still hanging on to playing music during this time, it's a good idea to try and support all the local acts you can. And I have to ask you about, since we're on this podcast on a Zoom call so I can see your background. So you're apparently a Star Wars fan. Is that right? <laughs> uh, that's a, It's a bit of an understatement, but yes, that is correct. <laughs> Do you want to say a word or two about that part of your interests? You know, science fiction has always been a little bit of a thing that I've enjoyed. Definitely enjoy a great story and just something about, you know, sci-fi series that kind of have the, you know, the, the classic hero archetype with, with the drama, the, the love interest, all of that has always just been something I really, really enjoyed. Most recently, I've been watching The Expanse, the new Amazon, well, not new Amazon series. Fantastic. I would call it a little harder sci-fi if you're interested in that sort of thing. But yeah, just have always enjoyed being told a good story ever since I was little. And I just really kind of find that most, I think, in the sci-fi genre. Terrific. Well, thanks so much for making time to speak with us today, RJ, and for making Flex part of your legal career. No, thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much for the opportunity. The information in this podcast is for general information purposes only. Nothing in this podcast should be taken as legal advice for any individual case or situation. This information is not intended to create an attorney-client relationship, nor does receipt and or listening to this podcast. Views expressed by podcast hosts and guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement or necessarily reflect the views of Fenwick & West LLP.